Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Victoria podcast. Today's hosts are myself, BJ Branson, Justin Smith, and Ben Rosenberger. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I guess let's just introduce ourselves and then we'll go from there. My name is Justin Smith and I am the music minister slash worship pastor slash whatever you want to call me here at First Baptist in Victoria, Texas. And uh, been here just a little over a few months and enjoying the time here and just learning all the new things, all the new people and It's just been a tremendous blessing to me and my family and just from the love that people show us, just the amazing fellowship that we've been able to have and relationships that have started from this. So, yeah. My name is Ben Rosenberger. I'm uh, the teaching pastor here at First Baptist Victoria. And I guess the best thing to know about me is, uh, as the Bible says, I'm a worm. I'm not worthy of much, but certainly God has allowed me to come here and I've enjoyed my time getting to move to Victoria and getting to learn new people and build all new relationships such as you two uh, just in the, my first year being here and uh, it's been an awesome opportunity to come and do what I love serving God and uh, using the gifts he's given me to just try to help people connect with him and so I've enjoyed getting to be part of even this new venture at our church so all right and I'm BJ Branson I've been here for almost a year now and recently was given the project to start this podcast so let's uh i'm looking forward to seeing how well it can grow and where all we can go with it so for these thursday episodes i'm going to have it set up so that on tuesday we have the sermon and then on thursday we have a varying group of co-hosts come in and alternate and reflect on the sermons on sunday and this week Uh, It was a good week to start since we just started a new series through the book of Malachi. Yeah, Um, so I get almost, it's almost like a community group that you would take the sermon and you would say, okay, so what stood out to you or what are some of the things that are worth going deeper on? Uh, Any given Sunday, you're teaching a text and not knowing who gets what out of it. Uh, But there's always certain things that stick out. Even me as a pastor, uh, even if I preach a sermon... I may not stick on what I would stick on if I was in a group of people just discussing where my heart was really fully engaged, um, but really for the sake of a Sunday morning trying to hit all people from brand new Christians, never been here, never heard about God, but also people who've been walking with Christ for 50 years, Sunday school teachers. Uh, you know, I'm trying to hit such a wide variety of people that it's not necessarily what sticks out to me. So we're kind of getting to point out on some questions or go deeper dig deeper on some things that stuck out and kind of this week uh, bj pulled out a couple questions things that you know pulled out in his mind is this would be interesting to go deeper in and that's kind of what this is it's just going a little deeper based on whatever uh transpired on sunday because even some of your questions i didn't prepare i just preached a sermon and all of a sudden i was talking about certain things and now they're being discussed but it wasn't like it was prep it was just holy spirit put it on my heart in the moment and taught on it and now it's like well let's go deeper on that so that's kind of what I see this as is almost like a community group where you're just digging a little deeper getting different perspectives that maybe you know me as the person who preached it didn't have or uh, maybe I wouldn't have thought of unless somebody probed the question and then all of a sudden the group's like yeah well I didn't even think about that and how much more there can, you can get out of this just through people discussing a subject as a worship leader you have a different insight as to what's going on each Sunday morning in the service. You pick out the music, you practice. Yeah, so one of the things that I love that's great is 
you know, I think within services on a Sunday morning when it's congregational, you've got a lot of people there. You know, you're you're coming there together to fellowship together as one body, you know, believers. And, and you know, yeah, you're going to have guests and you're going to have people that come in that, that might not be a believer, that might not be a part of this body yet. But one of the things that is awesome to see is how uh, one of the the things that Pastor Ben does is he takes time, you know, at the beginning of his week and he has a direction that he's going. And so he'll take time to sit down on a Monday, which a lot of times pastors take a Monday off because Sundays are sometimes (laughs) exhausting and taxing on you. And so Monday is great to take off. But one of the things that he does on Monday is he prepares for the upcoming Sunday. And so he'll look through the passages of what he's going to speak and get a brief outline and he'll send it to me. And what I do with that is take it and send it out to our worship team members and say, hey, these are Pastor Ben's thoughts for this upcoming Sunday. As you read through this and pray about it, you know, let me know what songs come to your heart and to your mind. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this? And then we take that and that's where we build, you know, the the song list or the playlist for the next Sunday. And the reason for that is so that what he's speaking on is then expounded upon within the worship as well. Or the worship expounds upon the word to where this the, the whole service should flow together. It's not that this is separate from this, that the worship is separate from the word. It's they're working together in unison to to drive home what the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts to share with other people. You know, hopefully that's what what is happening and that's what is engaging in people and what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. It's, it's really just the message that's being brought is just really being driven home in our minds so that we can remember it and carry it. So it's pretty cool. You know, it's like this past Sunday he had shared a scripture from Luke and talks about how I saw Satan fall like lightning and... Uh, the first song that popped into my head, like I was like, oh man, we missed an opportunity because there's a song by Elevation Worship called My Testimony. And that's the first line it opens with. I saw Satan fall like, like you know, I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, that my name is registered in heaven. You know, that's what he's talking about with this text and this passage in Malachi. Of, Do you not realize that you're worthy do you not realize what god has done for you how can you say you haven't loved me you know so it's pretty cool one of the points that pastor ben made was that we as a nation don't make god a priority the big question that a lot of people i'm sure have is does not making god a priority does that put our salvation at risk i mean after all uh, we're not the nation of israel so does that really count for us uh, 23rd or 21st century people. So uh, two kind of questions there is um, that we as a nation don't make God a priority. And then the second one was does not making God a priority put our salvation at risk and then kind of the connection with Israel. So first off, we're not Israel. We're the USA. Uh, we There's lots of nations that come and go, come and go, come and go. Israel is a distinct people that beyond the people of Israel who are worshiping Jews, the people of Israel, the nationality, has a special place in God's heart, not just the practicing Jews. So there's something special about that people. Um, As Americans, when I always heard people say, this is a Christian nation, I always recoiled thinking, no, we're not. We're not a Christian nation. We have the opportunity to put God first and have the blessings of being a Christian nation, which I do believe the direction and the founding of this country 
uh, with its um, just focus on Judaism as well as Christianity and what comes from the Bible. It has a foundation that is unique to the rest of the world. But we also, right now, in the midst of some of the worst idolatry you've ever seen any nation ever come up with. So we, we are certainly not uh, a nation that's focused on God. Any other country would look at Christianity and look at us and say, that is not at all the depiction of Christianity. And if you travel the world, they will say that. And so um, in terms of a country, I don't ever focus on the country's focus on God because I don't feel like it's going to happen. But I do feel like as a church, as as the church, we are supposed to be the ones that set the tone. Like Our faithfulness to God is, despite what the nation does, despite the culture, uh, we're not of this world. We're aliens called from here. Uh, we're, not this, we're not citizens here. So I don't get too caught up in my nation, or if even if God called me somewhere else and I live somewhere else, I get caught up in who is the church? Who are we? And so, you know, when I make comments in my sermon, the... The, the hardship I've had from being a young person who wasn't in the church, but then came to Christ in seventh grade and got all on fire for God and learned real quick how weird it was to be on fire for God. And everyone's kind of like, hey, calm down, because we're not really about that. We just kind of come to church. And me not understanding, because I didn't grow up in church, and I was just like, when I was all in, I was like, I'm all in, let's go! And then everyone's kind of calming, calm down, buddy, calm down. That's not what we really do. Or, and, you know, I learned through not, growing up in church, but through when I came to Christ, learning that to be all in, all in on fire and really want to devote yourself to God or have an expectation beyond just the norm of going to church Sunday, Wednesday, people get a little uncomfortable with that. And I remember being in East Texas where I saw sports taking over every component of church life and the students just, it wasn't, it didn't matter anymore. It was just an afterthought that your kid was going to love God and know God. And because of course, because we're, we're Christian nation, we're, you know, we're, these are, we're churched people, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I see all this massive group of kids turn away from God, fall away from God, and then the people wonder why. Well, when, when in their home was God actually a priority beyond we're Christians? And that's what I've kind of seen is a lot of people who are Christians, but if you were to make a list of priorities, where in their priority list would God fall? Where does faithfulness to God or following God or where have uncomfortable things, choices had to be made to make God a priority versus you know, all these other things. And so I, I just kind of backpedal in that regards is, is, you know, where are we as Christians? Where are we as the church? Is God our priority? And I think for everyone that looks a little different, but certainly it starts with honoring God. And, and, and so based on the other question, because there's two questions here is what about salvation in regards to uh, essentially the, the danger of our salvation at risk? Um, I, I feel like in regards to the nation, that's why I want to separate nation and God's people. Uh, I think we are judged by our fruits, and we should judge people by their fruits. Is there fruit in our lives? And beyond that fruit, is there what I always talk about when it comes to salvation? It's not about, did you come down an aisle? I could care less about that. That's not my priority as a pastor is how many people came down an aisle, how many numbers this year or next month, because I know that means nothing. Ultimately, are, is that person, are we, are you connected with the Holy Spirit? You know God is doing a work in your life. Uh, I have a hard time believing that you have to have a lot of conversations about are you saved and is God a priority with people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives? Because what happens, you may have to be reminded at times, but there's an overflow of walking with God that it just, it's every day. It's all month. It's, it's not like this, 
event by event or this one thing happened in my life. And so now I know I'm saying it's, it's, it's all encompassing in your life. I, I, as a Christian, everything goes through the filter of I'm a Christian. When I'm at the gym, I'm thinking I'm a pastor. When I'm anywhere I'm at, who I am and my identity is constantly on my mind and the Holy Spirit's conviction and, you know, him filling me up. And like every day, did I, did I give you a priority? So today, like, did I study your word? Did I pray? Did I give you focus? Did I obey you today? And the very little things versus, so it's an all encompassing thing. So I, I would pause in regards to, we say salvation. Um, you know, that's a hard thing to talk as a nation. Are we in danger of our salvation? I think individually, the question is, are you saved? Just like first John, the whole book we went through is look how many things that are pointing to being born again. Is that you? And if that's you, then you know that. Like, I don't need to convince you. I don't need to try to make you know you're saved because you said a prayer years ago. Like, you should be telling me. <laughs> like, you should be telling me I know I'm saved, not me trying to convince you that you are saved. And so uh, in terms of priorities, obviously there's evidence of our fruits of the Spirit that we are saved. Um, God is our priority. We prioritize, Priorities look different in every family, in every different stage of life, because in every stage of life, things and circumstances change. And what does that look like? It's hard for me to put my priority or what I think the priority should be on every single person, but the evidence of fruit should be there. And, and the evidence of God changing you and your passions and affections for God constantly being for him and changing, that, that is stuff that's constant. And so uh, that's what I would say is, is our country a Christian nation? No. Uh, we as Christians, do we, do we need to return to make him our priority? Yes. What does that look like? It doesn't look like one cutter cook, you know, cutter cookie kind of more traditions look like 20 years goes, 30 years. That's not true either. That's not really what God's going to be doing in the season. But in terms of our love for him, mission for him, wanting to like repent of sin and look more like Christ, stand boldly for the things of his word, despite how much culture hates Christianity, we just all the more say we're people of the book and this is what we believe. Whether you like it or not, it's what we believe. Those kind of things are going to be what I see as uh, are you saved? Well, I don't know, but do you see the fruit? Well, if that fruit's there, there's something that God has done in that person's life. So, I agree. Like, I think one of your one of your other questions, you know, we're kind of hitting on a, a few of these different things of like, you know, making God a priority, you know, and you're, what you're talking about, I guess, in this one was more like. Well, if we don't, does that determine our salvation in a sense? You know, like if we're not making God a priority, you know, I think there's a scripture in Hebrews where it talks about the judgment of God. And for those who don't, you know, follow his commands and, and do his will, which is this is New Testament, not just Old Testament stuff, you know. And and so, you know, it's there are there are things that as a Christian that, yeah, are required of us. And I think a lot of times that Christians can utilize God's grace as a crutch, you know, and which is dangerous for us because it says that, you know, sin is sin. And, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to make mistakes. But I think that that dangerous, slippery slope that we can get on is – you, when you know, you know, before you were a Christian, you didn't know. You know, you didn't know right from wrong. And, but as you continue to learn and you continue to grow in your relationship with God, 
Holy Spirit brings about convictions about things that might have seemed okay but aren't anymore. The thing is, is now you know, and if you continue, like there is going to be that judgment that we are going to answer for in that as God's people, you know. Um, and, you know, that's difficult. It's difficult to answer from a perspective of salvation because that's not up to us. You know, that that's going to be when we stand before God and, and and do have to answer for the things that we've done. And, you know, um, but I just think that, you know, as as we learn and as we grow and as we do, you know, recognize that conviction of right from wrong, that internal conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit, we've got to be cautious of that and, and just, you know, make the right decision and you know just being being intentional in making god a priority in our life in the little things i think you know pastor ben had mentioned that as well it's the little things too you know um it just it makes a difference so yeah i think one of the big problems that we face as a global church not just first baptist victoria but believers across the country is we're focused on the idea of salvation more than we are on the idea of producing fruit that you know is that person saved is that person not saved am i saved am i not saved are you producing fruit do you you know instead of discipling and giving people the assurance that they would just have if they were properly discipled we as a country or you know we as believers in this country a lot of places, you know, it's, I'm, I'm having a bad day. Am I still saved? It's like, no, you, you know, are, are you producing fruit? Like you guys were saying. Um, and then I think Francis Chan wrote in, you know, Crazy Love, uh, that was one of the things that really stood out to me in the book was, of course, everybody's going to say God was, is their number one priority. But let's just say hypothetically that he's not. What would that change in your life if you, if suddenly God's not the number one priority? If nothing mm-hmm. changes, he's not your number one priority. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And I'd say, so the question you asked was, um, does not making God a priority, would put would that put our salvation at risk? After all, we're not the nation of Israel. So what I would caveat in the conversation, instead of salvation, what is, say, you know, when we're talking about salvation, we're talking about a deliverer. So really we're saying, will God deliver our nation maybe? Um, and so then instead of salvation, which is really individual conversation and only God is on the throne yeah. versus nations or people or groups, you know, Israel's got a special relationship. But what we can talk about is God's wrath being poured out on America because we went from claiming, self-claiming that we're mm-hmm. a Christian nation. We follow God. We built our foundation with God's laws as part of roots of our whole system, clearly, you know, we're the only country that has the Bill of Rights, that has literally rights bestowed upon people believing God gave it to them. So we as a nation can't cross certain lines because of what God said about people. So I think the conversation has a little bit more to do with, as a nation, how do we get delivered from what I would say we are experiencing the wrath of God, which is the debased mind, which is the further worshiping and celebrating what God abhors.
And instead of us looking at that and just seeing it as a sin, it's actually God has given us over to debased minds to enjoy even more and have the and see it as a, a thing we celebrate that which God mourns, such as children being sacrificed and such as what's happening to children uh, of them not being acceptable and in in who God has made them to be, but rather desiring something else and finding out quickly, which we will find that after this mass experience that we're going through for the first time ever, this gender transitions, how 20 years, 30 years from now, how satisfied are these people that this has now been a, almost a test experience for several years. But that being said, I think that's maybe the better thought process than salvation. It's can we be delivered from the state we are in right now? Um, if that makes sense, in terms of returning to God as a priority versus what, you know, we've kind of become as a, as a nation. Because uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but that's kind of what I see in our country is we are experiencing the wrath of God, Romans 1 style, and we celebrate everything God abhors. And our culture is like all for celebrating. And, and if you don't celebrate, and if you don't worship what we worship, you're a bigot. There's no place for God, no place for Christians. That's what's happening right now culturally versus God's people, uh, and it's being lived out on, on, on before our very eyes in terms of everything. So that's kind of what I'd say instead of salvation, maybe how do we get delivered as a country from that? And that kind of brings us up to another point from your sermon that, you know, God loved the Israelites despite them not remaining aligned with God. And that, of course, shows God's patience and his faithfulness. But another thing we talk about um, is, you know, that God's wrath is also, you know, one of the features that he has. So, and we can see that all throughout the Bible. So how, how do we reconcile his love and his patience and his faithfulness with his wrath, especially since a lot of people see wrath as, you know, kind of, that's an Old Testament thing. I've heard somebody say, you know, it takes a, a whole Bible to make a whole Christian <laughs> in a sense. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the scriptures that are there are not, you know, just because they're Old Testament doesn't mean that they're not for today, too. Um, and the New Testament points to the Old Testament a lot. You know, even Jesus had said, like, I didn't come to do away with this. You know, I came to fulfill, you know, and he expands upon things. And so... You know, we, we do have to take it all into context. Uh, it's a matter of wrath because of the things that are that are happening, the things that are occurring today. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus was sent, you know, as a once for all with the cross. What he did there was a once for all things. And like I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, that a lot of times we can lessen what was done on the cross in a sense because we take it for granted you know of like well it, it was once for all it's not going to happen again and um so i can do whatever i want and ask for forgiveness and repent well the repentance is not doing it again you know i'm coming and, and repenting for what i've done and with an attitude to not do this again because i don't want to cheapen your grace. I don't want to lessen what you've done on the cross. As far as the wrath aspect, there should be a healthy reverence, a healthy fear of God in all of us. There is going to be that where we have to stand before him for judgment and and take it, you know, of 
And I think, you know, that's going to be the wrath. You know, it's like disappointing a father. None of us want to do that, right? You know, even, you know, my relationship with my father was, whenever I was younger, was a little damaged. But still, I didn't want to disappoint him. And so we are welcomed into that type of relationship with God, the Father. And so the things that we do should be done in a way that we don't want to disappoint our Father. Because there is going to be a punishment. There is going to be wrath, and you know, per se, in a sense. The Old Testament is there for us to see and to learn from. And the New Testament is also points back to laws, commands for us that we need to pay attention to. It's taking it all into context. And again, for me, I, I think, and that's just my perspective, is living in a way that I'm thinking of eternity not just in this moment, not just for right now and what's going on, but making decisions based off of an eternal standpoint and keeping in mind that I am going to have to stand before him one day and, you know, it's going to be well, enter my good and faithful servant or depart from me. I never knew you. Um, I definitely don't want to be the second part of that. And of course, you know, a lot of people, when they're coming up with their own idea of God, they'll give them human qualities and they'll take away wrath, mm. which is kind of funny because I've never met somebody that you can make fun of for 20 years and mm. not get just a little fed up with you. And I realize it's dangerous to give God human qualities, you know, on a more biblical basis. God's true love while, you know, in First Corinthians, it does list all the qualities of what true love is. And one of them is keeps no record of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. All throughout the Bible it also shows us that loving is not affirming everything you do with no consequence. It's, how's it go in Proverbs? The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. If there was no consequences to our actions then it wouldn't be love, it would be tolerance. Mm. And I don't want a God that tolerates what I'm doing. I want a God who loves who I am. Yeah. Because for God so tolerated the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a sad verse, you know? That, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that at all. Oh, yeah. um, any uh, last thoughts before we close up, Ben? Yeah, restate the question that you made with uh, Gabe Justin. Okay. Um, how do you reconcile God's wrath with his uh, love, patience, and faithfulness? When it comes to someone you love, you know, discipline is part of loving. And so Israel, when we're talking about Malachi, we're talking about God saying, collectively as a people, I have favored you unlike anybody else. This coming Sunday, we're going to look at Ezekiel 16, maybe the epitome of all of the Bible, of this heart-wrenching love God has for us, pointing out that you came, and what made you any different than the Canaanite nations? Nothing, except for God called Abraham out. Nothing. Your, your heritage is not special. It's the fact that I called you out and set you apart. You are blood-wise no different than these other people, except for the fact that I called you out and set you apart. Your uniqueness is God. And what he has told you you are and who he has made you, not even your heritage. It's that what's different between Abraham and the families he grew up with. Nothing except for God pulled him out, 
called him aside and said, follow me, and I'm going to do this for you. And as the story goes on, it's consistently a story of just like us as Christians. We fall, we make mistakes, we continue to fail. We, but what you hope there is that there is something different between the New Testament and the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit doing a work that only the Holy Spirit can do because we were never going to ever be able to follow God based on loss. We're sinful. We are sinful from birth. We constantly want things that destroy us. We, we Sometimes we learn the lesson. We know these adultery, these old idols don't actually fulfill us, and yet we still keep going to those same cisterns, drinking from the same you know, well that's never going to fill us, even when we know better. Um, and that's part of this thing that goes on. But one of the beauties is that God does love us. You know, he does love his people. And he says, even when you have fallen, fallen and, and not obeyed the covenant, which is the story of the Old Testament, is he literally knows this. And he goes through this relationship with Abraham where he doesn't, Abraham doesn't have to pass through um, the same exact covenant that, that God does. God goes through there twice and essentially puts down the covenant of blood as if you don't fulfill this, there will be blood. And that's depicting Jesus, that when you fell the covenant, I'm going to still take on that punishment, even though you, you're knowing you're not going to be able to live up to that end. Uh, you're into the bargain, bargain. And so there's this crazy kind of love element that you see. But then you also know that there were a bunch of people like the Pharisees who were, you know, by, by just birth were is part of Israel, but they didn't love God. There was no heart for God. There was, and, and what's the difference between the Pharisee and all the others? You know, what's the big difference? Well, I mean, Paul was a Pharisee. He murdered Christians. What happened to him? God. But yeah, God, God intervened, true. showed him who he is, and the Holy Spirit entered Paul and changed him from this moralistically, you know, zealous person for God, but didn't actually love God. Didn't love God, loved what the version of what he thought it meant. Mm. And then he encountered the one true God, and God changed him. And uh, so I would say, yes, there's wrath, but we see God's patience and his faithfulness in that personal relationship with him. Because, you know, for me, you know, I didn't have the same upbringing where people are like, I'm, you know, offended by sin. When I understood sin, I was like, yeah, that's me. That's my family. It made a lot of sense to me. The Bible has always made sense to me. The world makes has been made sense through the scriptural lenses for me. Some people are hostile towards the gospel. I'm like... This is the only hope I have. And so, you know, I see patience and kindness in that when I came to Christ, God showed me what it looks like to follow him. But that didn't mean my life was going to be cleaned up immediately. It meant it was going to be a long up and down road. And then I, I'd say as a Christian, there's seasons. There's seasons of darkness. There's seasons of things that you have nothing to do with outside of your control. But you're asking God why. And sometimes he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes it's, you know, you get into a funk that you, you start just not caring. And so you start slipping into sin or apathy or whatever, and you can find yourself in those places. And yet God still loves you. And he doesn't, I don't know about you. I can say as a Christian, I've never doubted whether I believe in God, even if I get far off track, it's always my loving father through his spirit, trying to bring me back, bring me back until he finally breaks the stubborn mule. That is me at times. And I'm like, okay, God, I know, I know, I know I love you, but I, I've never since God entered into my life and got a hold of me, you know, I, I do feel at times God has disciplined me. At times I feel like God has, uh, i just been on fire with for God. But I've always felt that connection with God from the second I came to know him. And it's never been any different for me. So there's there's the wrath. There's there's certainly this element of, of discipline for God's people. Like the church, I think, right now is going through the wrath of God. And I think that the church could be revived. 
And I don't know if I see it as the whole country ever having the same prosperity that it had before, but I certainly could see a purified church because I don't know if the church, you know, in the last hundred years has ever been not materialistic and full of just God. I mean, a lot of great things happen, but it doesn't mean our churches was it better than if you go to somewhere like China right now with their underground church and their faithfulness and they're on fire for God. What if what God's plan for our country is the wrath of God so that it wakes up the church? Would that be acceptable? Would that be something we say, yes, please? And, and we should. As Christians, we shouldn't be, God, please don't let us have a hard time as American. We should say, we want to see your kingdom advance. We want to see your kingdom flourish here, right here in America. And if that means we have to go through poverty, if we have to go through persecution for us to be purified, amen. We're part of a global church, India, Africa, China, all over the place. Christians are suffering around the world for his name's sake. And why would we be, why would we be kept from that? Particularly when we, it would seem to me, are one of the biggest producers of idolatry. You know, so I think we're going to go through a period of the wrath of God, and it's going to be tough. But I think that is God's patience and His kindness for the Church of America to actually be an authentic church versus what is, I think, going to happen. We're going to see Christianity that is this weird form of, that's not Christian at all. And then we're going to see this other group of Christians that are going to be persecuted like Christians all around the world. And they're going to have to make a decision. Do you want ease? Do you want to continue to have a prosperous life and keep your faith, the version of faith that the government allows you or the version of faith that the culture accepts? Or are you going to stay authentically Christian and accept the consequences that come with it? I think that's where it's going to go. So, And I think that's the kindness of God, that he's shown himself to us, that we love him enough to be willing to persevere through some persecution and hardship because we so desperately want to be authentically his and not just because we don't want to go to hell. <laughs> That's not what the Christian faith is. It's a relationship with God and it's a love for God. Like he has wooed us and loved us. And that's how I kind of see what we're reading about in Malachi. It's God has wooed us and then there's just people who are basically upset because they don't have what they want. Like what they expect. What they, ex what they interpreted God to mean love to mean is not what they're getting. So they're like, well, where are you, God? You don't really matter. And I think as Americans, we do that sometimes. Like, you know, people that are checked out of church or God's not a priority. It's like, they could say, I believe in God, but it's like, I don't feel like God's doing his part. And I think Malachi resonates to a lot of Americans of, you know, where are you in my life? And it's so hard for us to be reminded that God told us to pray for our daily bread. And yet none mm -hmm. of us probably have ever, yeah. ever, ever had to do that because God has so blessed us as a nation. You know, and it's so hard, but, but, you know, what about this job I didn't get? Or what about this opportunity that I wish I had, or this health issue with my family member that you, I prayed and you didn't answer, um, you know, versus God has blessed. We are favored. There's an opportunity for my kid because of what he's done in my life to know Jesus. There's an opportunity for my kids to know the authentic Bible. There's an opportunity for me to walk with God daily and have hope, genuine hope that's not found in circumstances, but found through the scriptures where I can rest in God has loved me, has favored me, has allowed me since seventh grade to know him, to love him, to have special calling in my life as being a pastor. I believe God called me out and like, I just feel so blessed and favored. <laughs> I feel like yeah. no matter what he wants to do in this country or the world, man, I'm in for the ride of my life, which is with my lover, Jesus, who has made worth and purpose in my life and built it in. Doesn't mean life is easy. Doesn't mean that there's not hardships. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean sometimes he's not going to chastise or not like, not like we're going to suffer just like the rest of the Christians in, in our country because of the wrath of God. But at the same time, uh, I know that he's being patient and kind individually, even in the midst of what's happening in the country. 
and preparing our hearts for what's coming and what we keep seeing happening. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, that's kind of where my mind goes with wrath of God and patience and kindness. I just think we're part of the story that we see in the Bible and it's playing out in our very lives as an American nation. It's what's, you know, you look around the world and we're not too far off from what's going around around the world. We had a unique period of time to where we just had a lot of prosperity, but prosperity just like Israel leads us to reject God. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what happens when God blesses. We reject him. We mm-hmm. forget him. And now we kind of are in that weird funk on the opposite end of rejecting him. And, uh, you know, what does that look like to come back? Uh, and what does it look like to sustain in the midst of whatever's coming? So in closing, what would you guys think would be a, uh, a nice short little bit of advice that you can give to someone who wants to start making God a priority, but just doesn't know how yet? It's about being intentional. The thing is, is in life, like we have choices, everything and everything we do, we have a choice. Um, but it's being intentional in those choices to make God that priority. Uh, you know, there's the Bible app where you can do devotionals with other people. I mean, you add friends just like you do on social media platforms within your Bible app now. And so, you know, if you're wanting to make steps toward making God a priority in your life. Find some people that you can be vulnerable with that can hold you accountable. You know, find somebody that you can share, you know, whatever with and join a a devotional with them. Find a small group somewhere. Get connected into a a church body where you can be encouraged by other people to grow in your relationship with Christ. Um, There's multiple avenues. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is finding that person that can encourage you and that can help hold you accountable if you're really wanting to to make God that priority, someone that's going to push you, that's going to encourage you in the right way, that is going to say like, "Hey, how are you continuing to grow in your relationship with God right now?" Yeah, when I read that question, my thought was just, you know, don't make it too complicated. Uh, start back at the basics. You know, if you're struggling with prayer, make God prayer life a priority again. So, you know, instead of thinking, "Okay, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes today," and you haven't had a prayer life in a year. Start with five minutes. Just yeah. give God five devoted minutes and make it at the same time every day. Just like you're not going to miss your football game. You know, it's a priority. Everything in your life is adjusted by that time. Do the same with your prayer life. Like at this time, every day, your family knows, your work knows, your everyone knows at this time it's God's time, period. Nothing else is happening. And I would say the same for reading the Word. You know, make that devout time. Don't start with an hour or three chapters or four chapters. Don't read to impress. Read based on how you learn. So I don't like to read four chapters in a day. I can't contain that much information. It would basically be me wasting my time. I have to be a slow reader, and I like to spend a lot more time reading smaller ports of text and asking God to specifically speak to me based on that text. So I'm not a big four-chapter reader. I'm not trying. I'm not personally. I've already read the Bible all the way through more than one time. I'm not trying to do that every year. I actually focus on one book at a time. I like to read it in its context. And I like to read it slow. And I like it to be something I'm not preaching on on Wednesday or Sunday or any other Bible study. Just time for me and God to be in his word and for him to just slowly point out a couple verses or things that I need to apply in my personal life. Whether that be in my relationship with my wife or with co-workers or just in terms of being on fire for God in regard to evangelism or true sunny to believe to remind myself when my mind keeps getting distracted by all these other things. So just basics. So 
kind of like the disciplines of the faith. You know, maybe some people out there have a big sin in their life and they need to, they need to learn the discipline of fasting. You know, uh, when, we, when we were talking about in regards to our country and just, you know, big things such as that worrisome, you know, give us worries about, a, you know, just not lack of faithfulness or just seeing big major uh, cultural things that we know just um, are not of God, are actually abhorrent to the things of God's word. Uh, you know, fasting is something that you can do as people or as churches and just begging God to move. And I think God rewards, um, you know, those kind of things. Same thing as taking time to be in God's word. You may not feel like God speaks right away when you start spending time in the word of God, but through faithfulness and consistency, I believe the Holy Spirit will reward you with um, direct communication um, to where you feel and sense the Spirit with you every time you open the Bible. I remember that as a young kid, that it didn't take me going to seminary, learning Greek and Hebrew and all these other things to, to connect with God through His Word. When I first felt God speak to me through studying His Word was when I made a practice to every single day spend time with Him in His Word. I'd get in my brown recliner, I'd start reading the Bible asking and praying for God's wisdom, and I would just open up the Bible, and I remember months of just reading and reading and reading and getting nothing out of it and thinking I'm getting nothing out of it, but then being reminded by older brothers and sisters, keep going to the to the well of God, keep asking God. And then I remember all of a sudden, I just had a different experience. Every time I read the Word of God, a verse stood out to me. Every time I read the Word of God, a promise was pointed out that I need to be reminded of, or there was an action that I needed to do in my life, such as evangelism, or something like repent of this sin, or focus on this element of the fruit of the Spirit in, in my life. And what does that look like all this week to focus on patience and repenting of not being patient this week. There's so much from God's word when he's communing. We're seeking to commune with him and then he communes with us and he starts speaking to us in our time of prayer and fasting or or study that we just, we just see God just fill that space in that time. And so for those who are just trying to get started on, uh, you know, just some things that they need to just uh, in terms of getting right with God and making him a priority, just start with the basics, the very basics. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it this, I'm going to study for an hour every day. Start with five minutes, build up to 10 minutes, build up to 15 minutes and find something sustainable, but make it God's devoted time. Just like when you're not going to miss that football game, don't miss your devoted time. Make it a priority. Maybe for you, it's 20 minutes for prayer and study. And uh, that's where you start. That is perfectly acceptable, and God will bless that time. And then, uh, you know, naturally, you will want more time with God, so you will naturally want that. You won't have to make yourself uh, after you've really given given yourself over to that discipline. So I'd say for whoever's listening to the podcast, if you want to focus on priorities and making God a priority, start with some of the basics you've heard every single Sunday of your whole life in church, and just make it a priority and make it something that's achievable do it. Do it for the sake of your relationship with God, not for others to know about it. And then as you do that, you'll fall in love with that time you spend with God and it'll be invaluable to you. Uh, more valuable than many of the other things we just waste time with and we walk away knowing, like, why did I just spend 40 minutes doing this? Well, give God whatever that time is and do that. So that would be a real practical way for people to start prioritizing God individually, which ultimately affects your family, your church, the people that you are in leadership with, because when you're on fire for God, there's a potential for the Holy Spirit to use you to be a catalyst to others. And that starts alone. That starts with the door closed when no one's around, and it bursts forth in, in the life of your church and your family. 
So those priorities and those fundamentals are uh, really, frankly, in, 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 um, needed. So. And for anyone looking to start, you know, just reading their Bible and don't know where to start, um, I've always heard John recommended the Gospel of John. The Gospel of Mark is a good place. I read Mark like two or three times in a week uh, when I first was coming back to God. And um, between that and for me it was Galatians, but really if you're if you don't know where to start, I always suggest uh, start with John. And I know there's always this translation war going on, but the NIV is readable. The ESV is really good. The New American Standard is pretty good. Um, the CSB um, has my favorite version of uh, or my favorite translation of John 3:16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only son. And that's the only translation I know of that translates it that way. Um, but I think my big advice, too, is Christianity is... A lot of people say it's about a relate, you know, it's about a relationship, not a religion. I feel like it's that's a little bit of saying it wrongly. It's about a relationship, not about tenets. You're not following this procedure... You know, you don't get to be a better Christian by reading your Bible. You get better to be a better Christian by spending time with the one who saved you. And you do that by reading your Bible. It's not, you read your Bible to do this. It's because this is what you want. It's a, it's all about your desire. Um, because that's the big thing that a lot of people were saying, you know, that we're a Christian country. No, we follow Christian morals like they're tenants, you know. That being said, that's all the time we have for our uh, reflection episode. Uh, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want more information about our church, feel free to check us out at fbcvictoria.org. There you can watch our sermons live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. You can also watch our archived sermons there. Again, that's fbcvictoria.org.